Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Chandeli Bible Church, and uh, Happy New Year. All right. My name is Izzy, and uh, I'm one of the deacons here at Chantilly Bible Church. Uh, Milt and the pastors invited me to preach this morning, and it's an honor and privilege to do so. Uh, before we get into today's passage, I want us all to think back to the last time we had a tech problem. Our computer, our iPhone, our tablet just wasn't working right. All right. Here's a cartoon. Uh, this is from Dilbert. I love Dilbert. Here's Dogbert. He's working for the help desk for a cable company. He says, if your picture is fuzzy, then get new glasses. And the guy says, uh, my glasses are the problem. Why does the couch look perfectly clear? And Dogbert says, without missing a beat, hey, good question. Please hold while I transfer you to couch tech support. Sometimes if you're like me, you've got a tech problem and you can't figure it out, you call the IT help desk or tech support for help. Uh, if you call them, you explain your problem and you take about 10 minutes because you wanna make sure that they know it's very, very complicated. That's why you couldn't figure it out. And then after you explain the problem to them, there's like this suspicious silence for a minute. And you think to yourself, are they Googling the answer? Because I could also do that. Now, the first question I ask you is, uh, sir, ma'am, is your computer on? Yes, it's on. If you do answer yes, then what they will always say to you is, have you tried turning your uh, computer on and off and then on again? And lo and behold, 99% of the time, it works. Do you know why rebooting your device solves your problem almost every time? It's because your computer or iPhone is constantly accessing random data and running tasks in the background. If you don't reboot occasionally, these processes accumulate over time and eventually overwhelm your device's ability to do the work you want it to do. In the same way, we need to reboot our lives and reset our priorities, and there's no more appropriate day than New Year's Day today. We'll be taking a couple weeks break, but in a few weeks we'll continue our wonderful sermon series from Milt and Mike entitled Reordered, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This morning, I want us to reorder our lives according to God's wisdom, as revealed in our passage today, Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. Along with the book of Job and Ecclesiastes, Proverbs is one of the three wisdom books of the Bible. What is the main idea of the book of Proverbs? My favorite podcast, The Bible Project, puts it best. Proverbs lays out two paths, which are the same two paths outlined in Genesis. A person can choose to live wisely, or a person can choose to live foolishly, according to the wisdom of the world. But oftentimes, wisdom from God will seem counterintuitive to us. It won't make sense at first. It's only when we delve deeper into our relationship with God that his wisdom will make sense. As Paul said in his first letter to the Corinthian church, if any one among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 19. 
Turning to our text from Proverbs today, our text from Proverbs might seem familiar to many of us, but I do not want the familiarity to hide from us the, le- the gems of wisdom that we can mine from this passage. So let's look at this passage together with fresh eyes. So you see I've put the entire passage, and no, this is not an eye test. I've, I put the entire passage on the screen so you can kind of see the entire structure of it because we're so familiar with this Bible passage, some of us, we might miss some of the structure that gives us clues on how to read the passage in front of us. So let's talk about the structure of this passage first. Let's compare uh, the first two verses, 1 to 2, and the last two verses, 11 to 12, okay? The first two verses say, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And then the last two verses of this passage, 11 to 12, say, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Now, notice that they both start with the phrase, My son. The author of the book is a father teaching his son the ways of wisdom. And after circling these phrases in verse 1 and verse 11, a light bulb should go off in our heads. What these pairs of verses in 1 to 2 and 11 to 12 are doing in the passage is they are serving as frames or bookends for the entire text. Now, I've created this slide where you can see the bookends, the ones underlined in blue, and then you can see some of the structure of the passage. Um, You can see some of the indentation taking place. So verses 1 to 2 and 11 to 12 are bookends for our entire text. They are reminding us that God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to learn his ways of wisdom because of his tender care for us. So these verses that we're reading now are not just pro tips for living our best life now. These are, in fact, wisdom from our Heavenly Father who loves us so deeply that he wants us to learn his ways. And that's the frame through which we should look at this passage. And we're going to come back to this point at the end of this sermon. Now, like many texts in the Jewish wisdom literature, the verses are deliberately ordered in symmetry. That's why you see the indentation here behind me. If you're reading this from the ESV ESV Bible in front of you, um, the editors of the ESV have made it easier to see this by grouping together verses 3 and 4 together and verses 9 and 10 together And then in the middle, five to eight and one core passage, okay? And I want to make a note of it. If you regularly read your Bible, I encourage you to mark up your Bibles, okay? If it helps you to digest and study the passage, take out a highlighter, take out a color, do what works for you. But if you really want to study God's word, this could be very helpful for you, okay? So look at um, verses 3 to 4 and 9 and 10. Verses 3 to 4 say, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And verses 9 to 10 say, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Verses 3 to 4 and 9 to 10 are kind of like if-then statements. 
if you do this, this will happen to you. But there are also paradoxes if you stop and think about it. Why would verse 3 produce what's in verse 4? Why would honoring the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all our produce, uh, why would that produce our barns filled with plenty and our vats overflowing with wine? Um, if you don't know the Lord, these verses will not make sense to you. After all, if you've given your first fruits to the Lord, won't you have less stuff to begin with? So they're paradoxes. They may not make sense. But to have these verses make sense to us, we need to read deeper into this passage to get at the heart of what's going on here. All right. Now we come to the heart of the passage, which is in verses 5 through 8. They read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This part of our text is what will make everything we have read beforehand make sense. Here is the reason why we can trust the frames, the bookends given by verses 1 to 2 and 11 to 12, and why 3 and 4 and 9 to 10, they're not really paradoxes. They're actually gems of holy wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. For ancient Hebrews, they had no concept of mind like we do. For them, the heart was the seat of all emotion, all understanding, and all thinking. Here, by telling us to trust in the Lord with all our heart, the author of Proverbs is encouraging us to trust God with all of our emotions, all of our feelings, and all of our thoughts. The first word in that verse is the Hebrew word for trust, batach which means to put your confidence and your hope in something. So the meaning of this phrase is to put our confidence and hope in God, the Lord of the universe, with all of our emotions, all of our feelings and our thoughts. Don't trust your own understanding. Like a pile of fallen leaves, our own understanding of who we are and where we are is changing constantly blown this way and that by our sin, by emotions, by the winds of pop culture. This passage is telling us, instead, we are to trust our God who never changes. On to verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The Hebrew word for path is derek, which can also mean journey, not just a road or a path, but journey. So this verse is saying that in all of our paths, in all of our journeys, in the journeys of our life, the journey of our life, acknowledge God and he will make straight your path. In the ESV version of your Bibles, if you're reading from an ESV, you'll see the word acknowledge in there. And the word acknowledge is actually the Hebrew word yada, or to know. Um, as Derek Kidner points out in his commentary on Proverbs, the Hebrew word for know in this verse conveys a much deeper and richer meaning than just 
factual knowledge. It conveys acknowledgement and fellowship with. To give you another example, I'm not a Spanish speaker. I had to get some Spanish-speaking brothers to help me out with, with this particular example. In the Spanish language, there are actually two verbs translated to know. One is saber, which means to know a fact, to know something intellectually. And the other word for to know is conocer, which means to know a person. Which one is this verse talking about? It's talking about conocer. It's talking about knowing someone. The more you know God, the more you will be able to discern his leading. The more you will know his heart and his will. So what this verse is saying is, in your life journey, be in fellowship with God, and he will lead you on the best path, the straight path. On to verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that you have all the answers. Revere the Lord and turn away from evil. Honor the Lord in everything you do. And, and this is a Hebrew idiom that will sound funny to our ears, it literally says in the original Hebrew, it will bring healing to your navel, your belly button, and marrow to your bones. In our contemporary English, we might say that the author is trying to tell us that honoring the Lord will bring healing to every core and fiber of our being, every dimension of our life, our walk with the Lord, our family life, our work life, everything. God promises that if we honor him and turn away from evil, the very core of our being will be renewed, refreshed, and resonate with his goodness. Now let's work towards the frame of our passage from the core passage in the middle outwards towards the frames. So if we do everything in verses 5 to 8, in verse 3, we will not let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake us. Verse 3 says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So if you're reading from an ESV version of the Bible, that, that word in, in three, steadfast love. In the Hebrew, that's actually one word. That's the Hebrew word for steadfast love is hesed. The Hebrew language has one word for like, as in I like that person. And then it has a totally different word for something that is a love that is enduring, which is the word that is written here. That word hesed is a very important word. It's a covenant word to describe the love of God for his people. That means abundant, loving kindness and goodness. And the idea here is that by wearing the love of God outwardly, like a necklace or pendant around our necks, and inscribing the promises of God inwardly on the very seat of our emotions and thoughts, 
we will find favor and good success in the eyes of God and man. Likewise, in verse 9, if we honor the Lord with our material wealth and possessions, God promises that if we do this, verse 10 will happen. Our barns will overflow with plenty and our vats will be bursting with wine. It's a word picture of blessing. How is this possible? Well, it isn't explicitly spelled out right here in this text. But the general idea is the way of wisdom belongs to God. It is not the way of the world. And here's a paradox that is true for God's people. If we honor the Lord, he himself will bring blessing because he is the sovereign Lord of all creation. Through steadfast love and faithfulness, through being generous with our wealth before God and others, we prosper. Proverbs 11.25 says, whoever, finds, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Now, let me tell you a personal story about this biblical principle. Uh, when Amy and I were just married, um, a couple in the church we attended back then, they needed some really serious and very urgent medical surgery for their son, and they couldn't afford it. Although Amy and I, we knew we had future medical expenses for our own family coming up, we both felt strongly that the Lord was leading us to give them $1,000 to help with their son's medical expenses. And so we gave $1,000 to them anonymously. It was a lot of money for us back then. Now, we didn't, know, we didn't know how our own needs would be met because we had medical expenses too. But we felt strongly that God was calling us to obedience, so we obeyed. We gave that couple $1,000 anonymously. Unexpectedly, completely unexpectedly, a few weeks later, out of the blue, one of Amy's relatives, who was not known for her generosity, sent us $10,000 in the mail, 10 times as much, which allowed us to take care of our own family's medical expenses. When Amy and I look back to what happened in our own lives, we both feel that this was God's provision in accordance with verses 9 and 10. Let me give you another interesting example from Chinese culture since Chinese New Year is only a few weeks away. Okay, the Chinese character for blessing and happiness, good fortune, is the word fu. Uh, and Chinese characters are made up of several parts called radicals. And uh, if you don't know, Chinese is a pictographic language. The actual characters that mean the words, they were originally actually pictures that were converted into words throughout Chinese history. So they were all pictures once. The Chinese word fu on the right has characters for one, mouth, and then that square in the bottom is the symbol for field, okay? So the idea of good fortune, happiness, and blessing is, I am one person, I have one mouth to feed, and I have an entire field of crops just for me, right? So this is the ancient idea from the pictogram, okay? Now, 
But those of you who read Chinese will recognize the radical on the left. This is the radical that represents a picture of an altar and indicates spirit or a deity. It's a holy radical. The same character included in the Chinese word for God, Shen, same radical. So here's a question. When the Chinese language developed, why would the Chinese word for blessing, good fortune, why would it need to include the same radical that you find in the word for God? Because in the very roots of the Chinese language is the recognition that blessing comes only from above. Here's an important point. We may think that it is our effort that brings us blessing. But think about it. Who put us in that place to begin with? Who blessed us with intelligence? Who gave us the will to work hard? Who gave us the opportunity to thrive? It was not us. We didn't work for any of those things. It was God. And remembering that it is God that is the ultimate source of our blessing is the way of wisdom. Lastly, let's come to the bookends, those points in blue that we started with at the beginning of our sermon today. Verses 1 to 2 read this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for a length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now, I mentioned before it was important for us to note that the author of Proverbs addressing the recipient of this message as my son. It is a term of endearment of a relationship of fatherly love. God is our heavenly father. And through the scriptures, he's reminding us not to forget his law and that we should keep his commandments with all of our hearts and minds. Because, like in verse 2, he wants to bless us with days of peace and prosperity. However, our days are not always peaceful or prosperous. There may be days of trouble and turmoil. God is still our Father, even in those times. And because we are his sons and daughters, we need not fear. So let's look at the bottom of the passage. Look at verses 11 and 12 in your Bibles. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This coming year, we will all experience at some point trouble, and turmoil, either from the consequences of our own sin or simply because life brings suffering. And what this passage is saying, even then, we need not fear because our Heavenly Father will always work things for our good, not for our comfort, but for our good. As an aside, I'm, I'm telling you all of these things today because I know that there are many in our church family today, right now, who are going through intense suffering. 
in my own extended family situation, Amy and I are also suffering intense heartbreak. So I say all of these things um, very soberly. What I'm preaching you today, brothers and sisters, I'm preaching to myself as well. Tim Keller writes in his book, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. It's about Proverbs. He writes the following about verses 11 and 12. He writes this, quote, Often a generous heart and life leads to financial prosperity, but verses 11 through 12 show us that this is by no means an absolute rule. The mark of wisdom is to be ready for suffering. Suffering can drive you towards greater love for God and trust in Him, or it can drive you towards bitterness of heart. Because suffering is inevitable in life, we can choose to be wiser for it, or we can choose to let it make, let it make us more foolish. Which one will we choose? He writes, we can choose bitterness, which is an emotional and intellectual dead end, or we can remember that God rules over this world and accept that through suffering, God will somehow bring goodness into our world. In this way, our perseverance through suffering can be a testimony to others and on the other side of suffering, when our suffering is over, we can praise God for his presence with us and be encouraged by the presence of our church family who is there for us. Remember the Hebrew word for steadfast love, hesed. Whether our bonds are full or whether they are empty, God himself is still with us. Now this perseverance is only possible if we remember, as verse 12 points out, that we are God's children. Verse 12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. As verse 12 points out, we are God's children. But not only is God invested in our good, he delights in us. You hear that, church? Our Father, He delights in you, and He delights in me. Our journeys are His workmanship, through which He brings us good and brings Himself glory. We are His art. We are His craft. And nothing in the world can change that. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You may be asking, well, I understand the way of wisdom and I understand that it is good for me, but what if I don't have the willpower to do all of these things? Or maybe today's message and all these things, they seem foolish to you. Or maybe you admit right here and right now to yourself, that you want to go your own way, that you want to seek your own understanding. You might be asking, how is this passage for me? 
Well, here at Chantilly Bible Church, we teach that the entire revelation of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, points to Jesus. The entire Bible, including Proverbs, which was written well before Jesus' time, still points to Jesus. While Proverbs spells out the way of wisdom, we cannot get this wisdom on our own. As a famous hymn goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The remedy for not seeking wisdom is not to try harder. The only remedy is the gospel, which is the proclamation of all that God has accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Through Jesus, and only through Jesus, can you and I be reconciled to God as a child of God and embrace the way of wisdom. There's no other way. We cannot be good enough. We cannot be wise enough. We cannot be spiritual enough on our own to embrace God. So God made a way for us to walk in his ways of wisdom through Jesus. It is a choice to walk the way of wisdom. It can be uncomfortable and costly. The world will call it foolish, but God calls it wise. As Psalm 95 says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's respond to God, open our hearts, and walk in his ways of wisdom. For some application points, let me end today's message with some practical takeaways. I hope we can all remember to pursue God's way of wisdom this year. Okay, for those of you who are used to working on computers, have you ever worked for hours on a document, typing away, and then like your foot accidentally pulls the power plug out of the wall and the whole computer shuts down, right? And what do they say? They say, save your work, right? After writing a little bit, press the save button. After I don't say, press save button. At least that, that's the way how it used to be, right, with computers. Save your work. Likewise, I want us all to remember how good God has been, how faithful God has been to us last year. Don't waste the precious times that God drew you close last year, the way he carried you through these tough times. Don't force God to reteach you everything that he taught you last year that you have forgotten. One helpful tip is to start journaling. When you read scripture, when you think about what God has done in your life, write it down in a journal to remind yourself of God's steadfast love for you. Second, make it a habit to trust God with every decision this year. You may not know everything, but God does. He knows the way. So before you think about straying, try praying. For those of you who are in the marketplace, remember that ethical shortcuts in business usually end up being expensive, illegal, or both. Stick to the straight path. It might seem like the long way, but God's ways are often the least expected. Fourth, give generously and be a blessing with your wealth. You'll be surprised at how much God provides for you when you're generous to others. Now, very importantly, please don't misinterpret my story. Please don't 
misinterpret what I'm saying today as somehow preaching the prosperity gospel. I am definitely not saying that. I am not saying that we should want to follow God's way because it will make us wealthy. That is not what I'm preaching today. I don't want anyone calling me after this sermon saying, Izzy, where's my Maserati? You promised me that if I followed God's way of wisdom, I would get a sports car. No. What I'm here to say emphatically is that is not, that attitude is not what scripture teaches. What I'm saying is that if you live by godly values, more likely than not, your fridge will be full. You might not have a mansion sitting on 50 acres of Virginia farmland, but God will take care of you, and many times he does take care of us through material blessing. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 to 11, he says this, Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Very lastly, a good friend of mine, a pastor from South Africa who pastors Redemption Hill Church in Singapore, he likes to say, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. God can use anyone and anything for our good and for his glory. So if you have failed in some way in the last year, don't despair. God can still use you to work his purposes in this world. And if you encounter heartbreak and hardship this coming year, know that even these things can be used for him to bring good into this world. So in conclusion, today is a day for all of us to reboot. When you reboot a computer, it goes back to the default. Our default as Christians is God's way of wisdom. Clean up a year's worth of bad habits, worldly influences, and unbiblical views. Reset yourselves according to the Bible. Walk in God's way of wisdom. And when we walk in his way, we can expect God to bring blessing to us in many forms, even in times of trouble. So don't fear. God is with us, and he is with us always. Now, as milk comes up and prepares to lead us in communion, why don't we close together in a word of prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we need your wisdom. We are thankful and grateful for the way you have led us through last year. Um, we are thankful for how you provided for us, been good to us, and been with us. For this coming year, 2023, Lord, we need your wisdom. We need to walk in your ways. Give us the hearts to be open to your wisdom, not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust you with all of our emotions, our thoughts, all our understanding, Lord. We want to walk in your ways. We want to be faithful to you, Lord. Give us the strength and the power to do so, so that you may bless us, Lord, uh, and show us your goodness, show us your mercy. We're grateful to you for everything that will happen this year. Um, our Heavenly Father, our Sovereign Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.